Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Last week, our national debt reached a record $33 trillion. During the next 30 years, the interest payments alone on this debt will become the federal government's single largest expenditure. Now more than ever, we need to address the runaway spending that has created this debt crisis while sending inflation skyrocketing and costing American families an extra $10,000 a year. Pennsylvanians cannot afford to business as usual from Washington. It is time to put an end to the wasteful spending in our budget. It is time to stop the inflation that has driven up the prices of gas and groceries. It's time to rein in the runaway spending and once again pass a budget that is truly worthy of the American people. Stop the tape. That is a Republican congressman by the name of John Joyce from Pennsylvania. I think he's a doctor. And um, he's very calm there on the House floor, but he's correct. Uh, he didn't really go into it. They only give him a minute for these speeches, right? Um, but this is falling on complete and total deaf ears. We have significant structural problems in this country. And among the top five, maybe the top one, is our economic condition. What we are seeing right now with inflation, tight money, the fact that you can buy a used car for a decent price and then all of a sudden you can't, there's a scarcity of used cars, there's supply chain problems, that is the result of the federal government. Milton Friedman would tell you that if he were alive today. I'll tell you that because I've heard Milton Friedman say that. There's only one source of inflation, and it's government. The Heritage Foundation, I'm going to get to this in just a moment. The Heritage Foundation came up with a blistering report, a very, very long one and, and well-researched. And I have my differences with the Heritage Foundation from time to time, but they do good work. And this is a nice synopsis of what a lot of us already know. And that is the federal government has put us in this predicament. And for some people to say that you'll see videos on YouTube or in, in the news cycle, oh, debt isn't a bad thing to carry. Well, theoretically, that's correct. And you can ask Donald Trump about that. You know, he carried a lot of debt to build his empire, his, his economic and his real estate empire. But to be upside down in your debt is not a good thing. And so when we have more debt per year than the entire gross domestic product of this country, that's a 
problem, but that's where we are. Yes, the congressman is correct. Our federal debt, not deficit, debt, and please, once again, I'm going to remind you, what's the difference between debt and deficit? Deficit is short-term. This is what they love to say. Well, we've cut the deficit. <laughs> well, somehow the debt keeps increasing. Isn't that amazing? They're lying through their teeth or they're jiggering the books. Yes, we hit $33 trillion. I felt like I was the only one ever talking about this. And I see a congressman like that. Uh, it doesn't make me feel good, but it, it kind of raises my eyebrow. And I say, well, there's somebody else talking about it at least, but it's falling on deaf ears. Complete and total deaf ears. The debt at $33 trillion, the debt service, is now at current interest rates over a trillion dollars a year. That is the interest on that debt based on the current interest rates as, as high as they are compared to the lower rates that they were a few years ago. You know, six, seven percent is not that high. For those of us who remember double-digit uh, interest rates, but but at you know six seven percent, it's a trillion dollars a year of debt of, of of interest. Imagine, imagine that a trillion dollars a year in interest alone. That's the debt service on thirty three trillion dollars. That's not counting the unfunded liability, and I want to get to that in just a moment, but. We got into this mess, as the Heritage Foundation outlines, and as I've been screaming for years, dating back to Barack Hussein Obama and uh, the Federal Reserve, when it was monetizing the debt back then and keeping interest rates artificially low. You see, it's easy to run up debt when interest rates are at 1%. And your debt service is around $200 billion a year. No big deal to... Uh, a federal budget that's you know, $3 trillion, right? It's a drop in the bucket. But now, interest rates are 6-7%, which means that debt service, that interest is exponentially higher. And it is a problem. Jerome Powell and the Federal Reserve created this problem by monetizing the debt. What does monetizing the debt mean? And by the way, it's not just Jerry Powell. It's Jerry Powell, Jay Powell, as the people in CNBC like to say, Jay Powell, uh, and, and the federal government, the federal Leviathan, together created this economic malaise that we're in right now and the hyperinflation that we're in right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know that this inflation goes away. I don't think Jay Powell knows how to fix this. I think he knows how to play with numbers and, and play with interest rates and move money around here and print money over here and you know, create debt over here and finance the debt over here. Yeah, I think he knows how to do that, all theoretically speaking, all playing with our lives, with our livelihoods, with our bank accounts and our dollars. I don't even want to think about how the value of our dollars have depreciated just over the last three years alone. I don't even want to think about it because it's going to make me steaming mad. But it's real. You know, this congressman says it's, it's strapped the average family of $10,000 more a year. That's probably about right. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Jerome Powell monetized the debt. Simply put, just to kind of cut through all the, the mumbo jumbo, monetizing the debt is printing money in order to pay your bills, basically. That's what monetizing the debt is, printing more money to cover your liabilities. Imagine if you're at home and you know you, you want more money, you just want to print more money. It's illegal. And what Jerry Powell is doing should be illegal. If we were on the gold standard, Jay Powell wouldn't be able to do this because if a greenback is tethered to gold, that is a fixed amount and that you can go into a bank theoretically and get X amount of gold for that greenback. Jay Powell wouldn't be able to play with the books the way he does. Jay Powell and the federal government. Jay Powell should be out there chastising the federal government for overspending. Jay Powell should be out there saying, hey, your debt service, your interest payments on the debt now is a trillion dollars a year. That's a problem. You never hear him say this. You never hear him say, hey, Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or Republicans or Democrats, I don't care, it's a bipartisan problem. Joe Biden, stop spending. You're destroying the future of this country. Do you hear anybody saying that? No. But if you read this article from the Heritage Foundation, it's titled, The Road to Inflation, How an Unprecedented Federal Spending Spree Created Economic Turmoil. This report focuses on the COVID debacle. And again, this is a bipartisan problem. The politicians panicked and it, it, it dates back to prior to Joe Biden. You don't hear me come out and say inflation is all because of Joe Biden because it's not. He's made it worse. He's thrown gasoline on the fire with his BS policies and these BS bills that he's signing, the, you know, the, the uh, Inflation Relief Act or whatever they, you know, these fancy names that had, there's nothing to do with inflation in there. It's all payback to his his political donors, and it's all phony climate change garbage. And that's the way these bills are all the time. And then the helicopter money prior to Joe Biden, prior to Joe Biden, helicopter money, extra unemployment, paying people not to work, on and on and on, sit home, order Amazon, here's more money. Where'd the money come from? It got printed by Jay Powell. Oh, monetize the debt. Don't worry about it. Uh-oh, all of a sudden there's supply chain problems. Uh-oh, all of a sudden a can of soup, which used to cost a buck, is now $4. Uh-oh, what do we do? Oh, we have to raise interest rates. That'll fix it. This is something that Peter Schiff and I had been screaming about back in the Obama years, that you can't keep these interest rates artificially low and continue to do what they call quantitative easing, which again is just throwing money out there into the system without there being a problem paying the piper down the road and we're paying the piper now. The only question is, at this point, since we're paying the piper, we're right in the middle of this. Is there a way out of this? Or are we stuck now with $4 soup? A lot of this has to do with baseline budgeting. And again, if you don't remember what baseline budgeting is, this is what Washington, D.C. does. It's something you would never do at home. Baseline budgeting is 
if a, uh, a department, Department X in, in Washington, D.C., has a, a million-dollar budget, isn't that fantasy? <laughs> I'm going to keep it simple, okay? A million-dollar budget last year, they come in this year, and there's an automatic increase of, say, 10% based on last year's budget, not based on what they need this year necessarily, not based on what the demand is this year, not based on maybe cutting the department at all, no, it's based on last year's spending. They just add 10%. So if we add 10%, and I'm just pulling 10% out of the air, okay? So if we add 10% to a million dollars, then the next year's budget is going to be $1.1 million, right? And that's what, how they, they do it in Washington, D.C. On and on and year after year after year after year after year after year, you wonder how these agencies and these departments have these incredibly huge hundreds of billions of dollars in budget and at Department of HHS has a trillion dollar budget. That's the main reason why. Baseline budgeting. Imagine, if you baseline budgeted, let's say you spend $10,000 a year on groceries. The next year you, you say, okay, well, I'm going to spend um, $12,000 a year, whether you can afford it or not. And then the next year, you give yourself another raise, and you say, I'm going to spend $15,000 on groceries. And then the following year, you're going to spend $20,000 on groceries, whether you have that extra $10,000 from a few years ago or not. That's our federal government. It is criminal. You wouldn't be able to get away with it in the private sector, yet here we are. I like to look at the debt clock. I'm one of those... I guess they call us a wonk. <laughs> I don't know. But if you look at the debt clock and you see the thing spinning in the upper left, that's, that's the current debt, over $33 trillion. But if you look in the lower left, this is part of what the Heritage Foundation report focuses on. If you look in the lower left, it shows the part of the unfunded liability. The unfunded liability are IOUs. See, there's supposed to be money in the Social Security Fund, but the Congress has rated it it's empty. So there's $22 trillion missing from Social Security complements of your government. It's gone. Imagine if you invested $22 trillion in the stock market over the last year or so, in the S&P 500, how much money you would make on that. Nope. The federal government's smarter than you. And then Medicare. Medicare is a disaster. Medicare is now... $35 trillion, although the Heritage Foundation says it's over $50, $50 trillion of unfunded uh, liabilities there. So between Medicare and Social Security, you're looking at somewhere between $50 and $70 trillion of IOUs. This is why they are saying, the actuaries are saying, that Social Security is going to go broke in about six or seven years, depending on who you're talking to, and, and Medicare about the same timetable. Is anyone in D.C. talking about that at all? Anyone? Is anyone addressing Medicare and Social Security? No one wants to touch it. It's politically sensitive. It's the political third rail. Well, reality is going to hit. The laws of economics... Always trump the laws of politics. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about the $33 trillion? What are we going to do about Social Security and Medicare? Hmm? This is a number one 
A burning issue. I have an A number one B burning issue. A number one A is our economic disaster that's unfolding before our eyes. A number one B is our border situation. And the latest from the Biden administration is unbelievable and it's treason. They are cutting the razor wire down there at the border. They, I, I, I don't know who they are. These are the reports. I presume it is our border patrol agents who are being given orders to cut the razor wire so the illegals can come into our kitchen easier. Not that they're not coming into our kitchen anyway. Both of these matters, the border, the wide open, sovereign border that is under assault, and the economic disaster that's unfolding right before our eyes, are so easy to be ignored by Americans. They're so easy to be forgotten. You don't live at the border. You don't live in El Paso. You don't live in, uh, in uh, Arizona, in Tucson. So it's out of sight, out of mind. You go about your daily business, you go to the bank, you, you withdraw $40, you get your money, okay, everything's working fine, right? Well, it's not. Neither of these is working fine. We have to fix this, ladies and gentlemen. In our lifetime, we have to fix it. And, and I know a lot of us tend to write things off, like, hey, you know, it's not my fault. It's not because of me. Hey, we had it better, you know, back when, uh, you know, when Reagan was president or even before that. We have to address it. And you know how we can address it. There's only one way. D.C.'s not going to address this. It doesn't even matter if Donald Trump is elected president. D.C. is going to figure out a way to destroy whatever Donald Trump puts in there. Because Donald Trump is only going to be there four years. And then what? Hmm? Then what? Did you ever think about that? Unless Donald Trump can work in concert with what I have been promoting for years now, and that's an Article 5 states convention, unless Donald Trump can work in concert with that, any changes that Donald Trump puts in there is going to be temporary. We need a constitutional amendment that stops the bleeding, the economic bleeding in Washington, D.C., and we need a constitutional amendment that goes beyond securing our border, militarizes our border. There's only one way to fix this. When you have a, a veritable neon sign at the border that says, anybody is welcome if you can get here, if you can, you know, you figure out a way to get yourself staged in Mexico and, and cross the Rio or cross through the desert south of Tucson, you're in. We have a neon sign, veritable, imaginary, that says, come on in. You don't have to follow the processes. Come on in. When you have a situation like that, you're losing your country and you're never going to get it back. The damage done by the amount of humanity attacking our southern flank may be irreparable. It, 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 to a degree, for sure, it's irreparable. I just don't know how irreparable it is. There's probably in the neighborhood in the last just few years alone of 50, 50, probably 50, it's my estimate, million illegals have attacked us from the south and are now infused and ingrained in our society. And I hear Americans just kind of blowing this off, like, ah, it's no big deal, and oh yeah, we got these roofers over here, and 
one of them's legal and two of them aren't, and they pay the legal guy, they pay the legal guy, and then the, the legal guy gives the two Ill illegals cash payment. This is unbelievable. You're destroying your own country by accepting this. It is illegal still, theoretically, to hire an illegal. Theoretically, you can go to jail, and you should if you knowingly do it. You should lose your business. You should go to jail. You should pay the price. Oracle 5, it's, it's, it's the only way, ladies and gentlemen, to have a permanent solution. Militarize the border. Make sure that Washington, D.C. does not spend more money than it has. Balance the budget. It's a very simple concept. We do it in our households every day, every week, every month, every year. We like to say, our generation likes to say, I see it on social media all the time, we're glad that we lived when we lived. We're glad we lived in the 80s. We're glad we lived in the 70s. Some are even saying they're, they're glad they lived in the 90s. <laughs> I don't think the 90s were that great. The, the 80s were great. The 70s, I was pretty young. I, you know, Looking back on it, it doesn't look so bad. The 60s may have been good. The 50s were maybe our heyday. I don't know. But I do know that Prior to the out-of-control government we have right now, America did not have these kinds of problems that we have now. We had a debt problem in the 80s, and we were loosely talking about it, but nobody addressed it, and therefore it's part of the reason why we are where we are today. In the 80s, we had an immigration, illegal immigration problem, and not anything was really done about it. And that's one of the reasons why we are where we are today. You know, Im illegal immigration wasn't that big a problem prior to mass transportation, if you think about it, right? It's so easy to get around the world now. Not just the interior of Mexico. I'm talking, you know, Chicoms coming over wherever they're flying into or by boat. Maybe they're coming to the Panama Canal. And they're jumping off and they're, they're heading up to the U.S.-Mexico border from there. I don't know how they're doing it. I don't care. I just know they're illegal and they shouldn't be here. Most, of course, are Spanish-speaking illegals. And this really is, it has nothing to do with ethnicity. It has to do with whether you're legal or not. I don't care whether you're white, brown, purple, straight hair, kinky hair, black hair, blonde hair, I don't, dark skin, light skin, it doesn't matter. You want to come to this country, you need to come through the legal process that's set up not violate my sovereignty, which is what you're doing when you're crossing the border illegally. And now, apparently, the Biden administration is helping them. It's unbelievable. It's a treasonous act. Yet, nobody's going to be held accountable. Nobody. The border issue is something I have been studying now for decades. And unfortunately, it's no better, even post-Donald Trump's wall, it's no better now, in fact, it's worse, than it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. And the economy, same thing. It is so much worse than it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. It's unbelievable. The debt, the national debt just exploding exponentially, and a lot of it happening just in the last two or three years, and it is a bipartisan, huge mistake, a mistake that we, the people, are paying for right now and it could get a heck of a lot worse. 
It is our obligation to fix our country. It is our obligation. We can't just say, hey, it was great in the 80s and it was great in the 70s and maybe great in the 90s. We can't do that on, on social media. You can't do it anymore. You have to say, we need to fix it. Do you know why? Because history is going to judge you and me harshly at this moment. As a bunch of fools who just sat back and said, well, yeah, it was great uh, years ago. Now it's too bad. Sorry about these young generations. That's no bueno. That's not acceptable. That's not Christian. It is our obligation to fix this country and fix it now, or history is going to judge us, and God is going to judge us harshly, and they both should. I'm Graham Ledger, and remember, evil can only prevail when good is silent.